Well, today at the Message Cafe, that's our in-person gathering of 50 people or less that we do here at the church, we had the privilege of witnessing the baptism of Hannah Jane, the beautiful daughter of Brent and Cheryl Posthumus. And if you were unable to be here this morning, you will get to see that next week during our service. It's always a joy for the body of Christ to witness and participate in the sacrament of baptism. Hannah, just a baby, receiving the unfailing promises of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as a church community, we promise Hannah and her parents our continuing support as they raise Hannah to live into the promises of God for her. If only we could see 20 years into the future when Hannah is 20 years old, we pray that we will see those promises of God being unfolded in her life. When a baptism like this takes place in our church community, it often reminds me of a birth that took place some 2,000 years ago. You may or you may not be familiar with that particular birth, so I'd like to read just a portion of it for you just to, to remind you about this birth, and it comes from Luke chapter 2. I'll read verses 1 through 7, and we'll jump to verse 13 and 14. Here's what it says. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and she was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them in the inn. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. A simple humble birth of baby Jesus. A baby, like Hannah, depended on his parents for care and for nurture. A little baby born of, of humble beginnings. And the scripture then tells us that the baby grew, and at the age of 12, this is what it says of the young man. It says, They found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and at his answers. Then in Luke 2.52, it states in the scriptures that, that he, Jesus, grew in wisdom and in stature, in favor with God and with man. Then in Luke 3.23, it reads that Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his earthly ministry. He was baptized by John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit. He descended down from heaven and rested upon him in the form of a dove. And a voice from heaven comes and, and says, You are my son whom I love. With you I am pleased. And then, three years later, three years of, of earthly ministry, Jesus is taken, he is beaten, he is spit upon, and a crown of thorns is, is pushed upon his head. 
He dies a, a brutal death on the cross for the complete forgiveness of your sins and my sins. 33 years of life. Three years of ministry. A tiny baby born to die so that you and I may live. It all began with Jesus and the church grew. Jesus added 12 apostles who he invested in on a daily basis. These apostles, under the teaching of Jesus Christ, began to multiply. They shared the good news of salvation, stating that only salvation is found in Jesus Christ. And from the apostles' ministry, he then appointed, Jesus then appointed 77 to go and to share the message of salvation. And you can read about the sending of the 77 in Luke chapter 10. Then we can jump to Acts. Acts chapter 1. We read there that the 77, that they grew to 120 people. And then, get this, in Acts 2 we read, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day they were added to their number 3,000 believers. From the birth of little baby Jesus to 3,000 thousand people being baptized. The church of our Lord Jesus grew. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, and I hope that you do this morning, please turn with me to the book of Matthew. We are going to continue in our uh, series on the parables of Jesus. Today we're going to focus our attention on the parable of the mustard seed. We will read Matthew 13, just two verses today, 31 and 32. And this is the word of the Lord for us today. Matthew 13, 31 to 32 reads as this. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Matthew 13. To help us understand the parable, we need to know a little bit about the context in which Jesus shares this parable. If you look, take a look back at the beginning of chapter 13, you will notice that it states this. It says, that same day Jesus went out from the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while the people stood on the shore. So you need to imagine for a moment in your mind's eye, Jesus is sitting in a boat and he's, he's facing the large crowds of people. Some probably sitting, others probably standing. The kids are probably playing in the sand and perhaps even some are making some sandcastles. And Jesus then is maybe a couple hundred feet offshore and he begins to speak. His voice skimming over the calm waters, adding enough amplification to reach the ears of those listening, but more importantly, hopefully the hearts of those listening then and us today. Jesus begins by telling them the parable of the sower. Pastor Justin talked about that just a few weeks ago, and if you hadn't had a chance to, to listen to that particular message yet, we want to encourage you to do so. 
Jesus then goes directly into another parable, storytelling about kingdom truth. He shares the parable of the weeds, the parable of the mustard seed, followed by the parable of the yeast. Two parables about sowing the seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer or a man who sows the seed. The preaching of the word, sharing the gospel, evangelism. And then he goes off and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. We just need to pause here for a moment and just think about that. Last week, Pastor Bill encouraged us as we're going through these parables to pause and to think. I want you to put yourself for a moment in the shoes of the disciples. You have been walking with Jesus. You you sat down with Jesus. You ate with Jesus. You have heard him talk about the parables of the kingdom of heaven. You have seen his miracles. You have asked the questions. You, You were personal with Jesus. You were part of his inner circle. You were close to Jesus. And he, begin, he begins once again to, to share significant meanings about the kingdom of heaven. And he begins by saying the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. What would your response be if you heard that? Jesus just compared the kingdom of heaven to the smallest known seed at the time. A mustard seed is nothing big. It is just this, this teeny, inchy, weenchy little seed. Not a whole lot to show for itself. In fact, if you went to the marketplace in those days and and you wanted to order a small amount of, say, a spice of some sort, you would would tell the person, I would like a, a mustard seed amount, a very tiny amount. Now, if I was there, I would be like, well, hey, wait a minute, Jesus. All of this The miracles, your teachings, the crowds that are following you, seriously, no more than just a mere mustard seed? What am I missing here, Jesus? I gave up going into my family business for nothing more than a mustard seed? What gives? What's the point of all of this? Have you ever asked yourself that question? What's the point? If I do this, what difference will it make? What good will I do if I show this this crusty person over here a little bit of kindness or a little bit of gentleness? What difference will it make if I invite my neighbors to come to the message cafe or invite my neighbors into our home to watch this message? What difference is it going to make if I go on Facebook Live and I hit that share button? I know I have. All I have to offer is a simple invitation. It's a mustard seed. All I have is a simple click of a mouse. It's a mustard seed. All my contributions amount to nothing more than a mustard seed in the grand scope and the larger vision of the kingdom of God here on earth. This is so insignificant. But you see, if Jesus would have stopped at that point in the parable, I would say that that type of thinking would be right. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and he he planted in the field, period. If Jesus would have stopped telling the parable at that point and if he would have just rolled off into the sunset, man, our life would have been so much easier, wouldn't it? 
But he didn't. He did not stop there. And we can be so thankful that he didn't. For the next words that come out of his mouth is what gives the church a hope that has lasted to today. A proclamation from a boat that provides hope for the growth of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Take a look at your Bibles for a moment and hear the next words that Jesus says. It says, though it is the smallest of seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. That which seemed so insignificant, a tiny little seed grows to become a healthy, vibrant tree. So large, in fact, that the birds come and rest in its branches. Jesus is taking the smallest of seeds and he is proclaiming it will grow. It's going to grow. Trust me. That which seems so insignificant will now grow so far beyond what you can imagine. What we need to realize is this. That significance is not measured in numbers or size. Significance is not measured in number or size. How often do we count numbers? We can't start a ministry until we have the right number of people to attend. Well, we need to cancel that particular event because not enough people registered online to come. I'm sure we have all used the tagline, bigger is better. But the question that we need to ask ourselves is this. Does bigger represent greater significance? Does bigger represent greater significance? Does a bigger budget of a church or a bigger budget of your ministry mean that it is better? Does a youth group of 60 youth mean that it is better than a youth group of 20 youth? Does a church of 745 members in an auditorium of 1,200 seats mean that it's better than a church of 100 people who meet in a rented storefront? I think our passage today tells us no. Bigger does not represent greater significance. Bigger is just, well, it's just bigger. And a number is, it's just a number. Now, please don't get me wrong. I am not saying that all things related to size alone are wrong. But turn with your Bibles with me to Matthew 25, 34 to 36. Jesus there is presenting a countercultural teaching about size and importance. And as a result of Jesus' teaching here in Matthew, we are invited to, to rethink all that we glorify as a sign of excellence and success, the size of our portfolio, the size of our church, the volume that we may get, our budgets, the size of our ministries. Here's what it says in Matthew. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. A simple piece of bread 
to a hungry person on the street, a cup of cool water to a refugee, a pair of clothes to a disaster survivor, a warm uh, welcome to a stranger in a seat, a sympathetic visit to a sick person or, or somebody in the hospital, giving a homeless person a place to sleep in our gym, sending a card to one of our shut-ins, cutting your neighbor's lawn, hitting the share button on Facebook Live. Surely everyone can do these type of things. Doing these deeds does not require any specific skill, really let alone specifically designed or expensive training or, or big budgets. But these are the measurements that Jesus uses. One-on-one, -on -one, person to person, small gestures of kindness, showing the grace and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some of us may call these small things insignificant, but when we look at it through kingdom vision, they are so significant. These are just mustard seeds of action. But each, but each action is a mustard seed that is planted into the hearts and the lives of the people that you and I minister to. So, Church of God, be encouraged collectively and individually, or day-to-day, -day, those things that seem so insignificant, those, those actions that we do for the kingdom of God are mustard seeds that are being planted into the lives of people. And by the grace of God and through the working of the Holy Spirit, that mustard seed will grow. The Lord added to their number those that were being saved. The parable of the mustard seed... I love that, that Jesus is proclaiming the growth of the capital C, church. Jesus did not say that the sower planted a seed and it may grow, or it might grow, or, or if the weather is good, it's going to grow. No mention of a good growing season or a bad growing season. There's no mention of that. Jesus says, when it grows... This is not a question statement. This is an affirmative statement. When the seed is planted, it will grow. What a promise of the growth of the church, the kingdom of God. Do we lean into that promise as a church community? For some reason, and, and I don't know if you feel the same as I do, but I am afraid to plant the mustard seed of the kingdom of God because I am just not sure of the reaction that I am going to receive. Not sure of, of the difference that it's going to make. I just can't seem to muster up enough courage to step out in faith. And I often use the excuse, well, it's just not the right time. Or, or man, they, they're just not ready to hear what I have to tell them about Jesus. I have fallen into this line of thinking many times, and then as a result, I have personally not leaned into the promise that Jesus is making in this parable. The mustard seed will grow. Statistically, it's proven that in countries where persecution exists, the church is growing. Did you know that there is roughly 100 million Christians who are suffering persecution today? 
On a daily basis, these 100 million Christians, our brothers and sisters in the Lord, fear for their life when they go and when they plant these mustard seeds, when they share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, a number of years ago, I had the privilege privilege to smuggle Bibles into the People's Republic of China. Every day, up to five times a day, we would cross the border into China with suitcases full of Bibles. And while we were in China, I had the privilege of visiting the Three Self Church, that's the government-sanctioned church, and the other part of the team, they went to the underground church, the secret church. And what they heard from these brothers and sisters was this longing, there was this desire to share the message, to plant those mustard seeds into the lives of their neighbors and their friends, even though it could mean imprisonment and for some even death. You know, our perspective from the Western world, we'd be like, you know what? That is just not the right time to plant a seed. That, that, would, that would kind of be a bad growing season in our mind because the winds of persecution are blowing strong. Jesus says, it will grow. Did you know that on an average Sunday, more people visit a church in China than do in all of Europe? And that's in the midst of persecution. And Jesus says, it will grow. So what's holding us back from explosive growth in the church? Well, we need to take hold of the promise of the parable of the mustard seed. Trust that Jesus will take our mustard seeds of action and he will make them grow. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6 says this, I planted the seed, Paul says. Apollos watered it, but God, but God has been making it grow. And the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. You know what's interesting about a seed? And this also includes the mustard seed. In order for a seed to grow, it must die. In the process of of, of sprouting a seed, a seed must sacrifice itself or it must die in order for it to become a plant. Do we want to grow as a church? Then we must humble ourselves in the presence of God. We need to put to death our pride, our self-righteousness, our arrogance, and bow before the throne of God. We need to do this individually, and we need to do this as a church community. How often have we put our earthly plans before God's kingdom plans for his church? How often has our pride stopped us from reaching out into the community or bringing our community here to our building? How often are we so quick to point the finger at somebody else all the while there's this huge plank in our own eye? These and and many others are done individually, but also as a church, as a whole. You know, one of the reasons people give as to why they don't come to church is because what the outside sees inside the four walls of our church building is a bunch of hypocrites. Christians say one thing and then they do the opposite. They say they believe in the Bible, but the way they live out their life shows a completely different. Friends, it's time we start acting different if we want to take hold of the promises of the mustard seed. 
This is as much a personal challenge as it is for us as a body of Christ. We need to come and humble ourselves before the throne of God. We need to have a contrite heart. And what is a contrite heart? It is a heart of God's people. It is the heart of the church who are so distraught over their sins that they know their only hope is to humbly cry out to God, to humbly cry out to Jesus for forgiveness. We hear this from David in Psalm 51 as he laments and and repents over the sin of of 2 Samuel 11. Here are the words of, of Psalm 52. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin forever. May this be your posture in your devotions. May this be our attitude when we gather as a church. This is the dying that must take place within the body of Christ and in our lives for it to grow. For when we cry out to Jesus for forgiveness, He is faithful and He is just and He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He Himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. And for this reason, we can sing a song of praise to God. We can dance like David danced in the presence of our Lord. Will we make mistakes? I think so. Will we still be perceived as and act hypocritical? Probably. But may that that never stop us from doing good. May it never stop us from telling God's story. Because when we die to self, we grow in Christ. Peter writes in Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. The Lord, the Lord added to their number those that were being saved. And finally, if I may, one last point. We need to realize that just because we plant a seed and it grows does not mean it was successful. A plant is successful when it accomplishes the purpose for which it was planted, to bear fruit, to bring glory to God. You know, about two years ago, I planted an apple tree in our backyard. I followed all the instructions, and yes, there's instructions on how to plant a tree. I bought new soil. I dug the hole in the ground big enough. I put the new soil all around the roots and I, and I packed it down. I watered it as often as I should. I put it in the right spot so it was going to get the right amount of sunshine. And the first year, believe it or not, it grew some apples. Small apples, but apples. And And if you ask me, from my perspective, that was a successful planting of a tree. I thought, you know what, that's not so bad for a city boy like myself. But this year, this year, a different story. Not a single apple, not a one. The tree grew, but not a single apple was to be found on that tree this year. And to be honest, not sure if that tree will ever produce an apple again. As they say, pride comes before the fall. 
I was thinking pretty good of myself for planting an apple tree and it producing some fruit. But in fact, it has not produced any good fruit yet. Unfortunately, no apple pies in my future. If you ask me now, looking back, I would say that that was an unsuccessful planting of a tree. Just because I planted an apple tree in my yard does not mean that it's going to produce what it was intended to produce. Now you're probably thinking, how in the world could he have messed that up? I have no idea. I don't have the answer for you, but a city boy I will always be. But the point is this. Just because I planted an apple tree didn't mean it would automatically produce apples. In fact, my apple tree produced no fruit of all. The mustard seed in our parable, however, it grew and it produced. The birds can rest in its branches but because it grew as it intended to. It grew into the largest of garden plants and it even became a tree. That was a successful planting. Listen to these words in Matthew 7. 17, uh, Matthew. Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. May the church of Christ grow for its intended purpose, to bring glory and to bring honor to a holy God. May we be known by the fruits that we bear. When people look into our eyes, may they please, may they see the face of Jesus. When we do our good works, may they, be know, may they know that we are doing them because and for Jesus Christ. May we work side by side, arm in arm, to advance the kingdom of heaven here on earth. May we seize every opportunity we have as a church community to reach into our community by whatever means possible in order to share the message of Jesus Christ. Well, this short little parable is going to cause us to get uncomfortable. It is going to, to, to change and shake our thinking on how we live out our faith. It may even cause us to rethink our earthly comforts. Instead, I encourage you, let us think on this comfort. Because of the promise of Jesus, do not lose heart. The church will grow. You will grow. Your mustard seed will produce fruit. When done, for the glory of God. Let the world know that you are sons and daughters of the Lord Most High by the fruit that you bear and by the fruit that we bear as a church community. The Lord added to their number those that were being saved. The Lord added, never, never underestimate the power of God to make your efforts grow for the glory of God and for the advancement of his kingdom here on earth. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. 
Though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the parable of the mustard seed, of how you promise that the church is going to grow and that we have a part in that. Father, I pray that you will spur us on in faith and in hope and in love that by whatever means possible that we are going to take the opportunity to go and to share this message, that we are going to plant mustard seeds all throughout Abbotsford, all throughout our community. And Lord, we pray that as we do that, that we will take hold of the promise that you have proclaimed that that mustard seed will going to grow. It's going to grow, and it's going to grow for the advancement of your kingdom here on earth. So give us the boldness. Give us the courage. In Jesus' name, amen.